Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. On this episode, I am joined by Devin Duncan, an extremely passionate and successful turkey hunter in the Appalachian Mountains of Virginia. Devin and I talk about the experience of hunting gobblers in hill country, e-scouting for turkeys on public land, dealing with hand-up gobblers, a few stories, and much more. This podcast is brought to you by Onyx. The Onyx Hunt app is your premier GPS hunting app that turns your phone into a working GPS. Using some of the tips that you'll learn in today's episode, you can use the app to e-scout turkeys and make the most of your time out in the field. I also love roosting gobblers in the evenings and marking their locations to slip into closely in the morning. If you want to check out the Onyx Hunt app for yourself, head over to onyxmaps.com and use the coupon code EMW to save 20%. Tethered is a company that is founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting. While creating the most innovative, lightweight, safe products for saddle hunting, and I'm currently using the Phantom Saddle System with a Predator platform on all of my mobile hunts. Ever since I started using the saddle, it's really tough for me to want to try anything else. It's so lightweight, packable, and for going deep into the big woods or the mountains or really anywhere on public land, it, uh, it it's hard to really want to do anything else. But to learn more about tethered and saddle hunting, head over to tetherednation.com. Maven is building the highest quality optics at half of the price of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. They just want the best optics in the job, period. So I'm using the B3 8x30 binos on all my eastern hunts, including turkey hunting. You won't catch me breaking over the top of a ridge without covering the ground slowly with my optics first. You can use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full-price optics order at mavenbuilt.com. And Spartan Forge. Hunters require an accurate forecast of the best hunting days and hunting spots to save time on scouting and actually executing the hunts. The Spartan Forge Outfitter utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement, including GPS data, 30 years of weather, academic, state research, social media, and so much more. They're using science rather than someone's opinion to figure out the movement for your specific hunting area. You can use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 25% off of the outfitter at SpartanForge.ai. All right, so this week I do not have a mountain buck story of the week. I won't. I'm actually going to be... Taking a little time off as this as this comes out here, um, I will be probably sitting somewhere warm with a drink in my hand. And yes, it doesn't matter if you're listening to this in the morning or the evening; it, the results could be the same. So, taking a little time off to uh, yeah, I guess just step away a little bit and uh, enjoy enjoy some time in the sun. But uh, so I'll definitely be back with that next week. But I'm gonna stay off social media and everything during that time frame. So not going to be posting any pictures for the mountain buck Monday then. So I'll definitely bring it back the following week, but I do have some really exciting news here. So recently I've been invited as a guest speaker for an incredible online event that's designed to inspire you to build your next business. So the founder speaker series is a 12 week event with impactful founders from the hunting industry. So each week you'll have a chance to join myself and the other guests to hear our entrepreneurial stories, learn how we built our businesses from the ground up essentially, and then participate in a live Q&A to get your questions answered. So there's limited seating for this online event. So be sure to join the wait list, which um, the registration will go live on April 22nd. So I'll put a link in uh, in the in the podcast notes here, so you can take a look at that. But I hope to really see you there. If you have any interest in starting a business or having a side gig in the hunting industry or really any business in general, I think you'll be able to pull a lot from this. The guests that they have are 
incredible. I'm just excited to be a part of that list. So I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be informational, definitely jam-packed full of stuff, and and tune in, learn from the other guests in the series. I, I know I will be tuning in to take part in the, the other guest speakers as well to be able to listen to it. So anyways, check out that link that I have in the podcast notes here, or you can go over my social media. I'll probably send out an email blast by this time too, so you can check that out. Click on the link and uh, see if you're interested. But um, anyways, like I said, I'll be gone this week here, but right when I get back, uh, be a week before turkey hunting, and I cannot wait. I, I haven't put much time into scouting turkeys, but I normally don't. Um, but I deer hunt in a lot of areas where there's turkeys. So I've found, found some turkeys, marked them that week before. I'll definitely put some time out there and trying to, trying to locate some birds and see what, uh, what time I have available. It's going to be a, a tough year for me getting some time to turkey hunt, just trying to move around some other priorities so that I can use the time to spend in the fall. But I'll be honest, I, I love the sunrises and, and turkey season, the nice warm weather and here in gobbles. I mean, it's just, it's an awesome time to be in the woods. It really is. So uh, really looking forward to that. And that's why I brought on Devin Duncan, who is just He's not, he's not like me who I, I wouldn't consider any sort of, I'm not any sort of great turkey hunter. He is. He is incredibly talented. He works really hard at it. He's obsessed with it. I mean, this guy knows his stuff. So I am glad to be able to interview Devin here and talk about hunting turkeys in the Appalachian Mountains. Enjoy. All right, Devin Duncan, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Good man, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to get to talk to you. We've been chatting back and forth on Facebook and Instagram for a while. I've been following uh, your page on Facebook, Mountain Hunters uh, Virginia, there, and uh, I, I feel like I know you, but not really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I keep up with you too. A lot of people follow you, so you know, same bir- birds, the same feather. You know what I'm saying? Yep, I hear you. It's uh, mountain bull. Yep, exactly. Just uh, a little bit. Uh, yeah, you're what where are you at? Down in southern Virginia? Uh southwest, like uh central Virginia, kind of to the west part of the state. Okay. Nice. I um I used to I did a lot of work down there. I'd spend time down uh it was you don't have to tell me exactly where you're at so no one knows <laughs> where you're at, but I, I know that like I was spending time down by uh Stewart's draft and and Waynesboro and those areas. I'd well, I didn't live down yeah, there. Yeah, that's but kind I, of in the Blue Ridges. Yeah, yeah, I spent some time down there for, for a while. Beautiful country all through Virginia, really. But it's... Yeah, um, a lot of beautiful country uh, populations in the mountains are kind of deer and turkeys kind of dropped a lot. Of course, you know, it's being seen all over the United States, but I mean, I've been watching it for probably over a decade here, but... Um, which sometimes some mornings you'd be hunting and you think it's a shame because it's some of the most beautiful country uh, to work a turkey in and, and, and hunt, hunt mountain bucks. But um, you kind of, you're born and born and raised and it. it's kind of in your blood and uh, you really wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I'd like to experience some other things as far as uh, I love traveling to turkey hunt. Um, but it seems like, uh, it's really, our, our mountains aren't as, the habitat isn't really super diverse. And, um, I don't, I don't know if that's a major role. I feel like it's a major role in, in a lot of our decline, but, uh, I don't know the population boom there when I was, I'll, I'll be 32 this August. So, uh, in the early nineties, late eighties and early nineties, the populations boomed and, <laughs> Right, right. Not long after that, in the late '90s and early 2000s, the coyotes really moved in thick. So uh, some of the federal, the federal lands, uh, the loggers kind of had to jump through hoops there. Like in the late '90s, I think the tree huggers and stuff kind of made some waves, and um, so some of the timber cutting slowed down for a while. But it's picking back up, 
and uh so that's a good thing yeah that that's one of the things i noticed when i spent time i know i'm not exactly where you're at but down there there wasn't at least in the area i was there was no timber cutting and i know talking to jason red and and even nathan killen some other people i know that are down that way and everything says it's not not very active and there's a lot of political reasons behind that i think it's getting a little better I, i i mean the one thing that uh I mean, I'll take any uh, cutting and stuff, but what kind of irks me is that it seems like when we do uh, get some cuts, it seems like they're right along the government roads. Oh, yeah. It's not like like they're these old logging roads that go way back into the mountains. It's not like uh, that stuff, you know, it's kind of big and mature and and needs harvested select cut and, and, uh, you know, 50 acre, 100 acre clear cut here and there scattered out, but um, I guess they trying to make it the most efficient in and out cut they can. And it would be nice if some of those old logging roads could get opened up with a bulldozer and they go back in there a mile from the roads and put the habitat diversity, you know, wildlife openings, clear cuts, select cuts and everything back in the mountains a little ways away from the roads. So, yeah, you were saying about, um, we broke up there a little bit, but you were saying that about the, the logging cuts being along the roads. And I mean, I guess it makes sense for the loggers because it's like, and, and I don't know, you know, or the, the foresters and stuff like, why do we need to go all the way back when it's mature all over and we can get these easy ones next to the road and more efficient, probably make more money on it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's common sense. It's done like that, you know? Yeah. Um, money you know, most efficient way in and out. Yeah. And, and I know, I know a little bit about, uh, the type of area you hunt, but for the listeners, talk about the type of the terrain. You talked a little bit about the habitat, but give, give like paint a picture a little bit about where you like to hunt turkeys, deer, whatever. At. Well, um, there's certainly a lot rougher and higher peaks and terrains and, and, and like the smoky mountains in North Carolina, uh, the, uh, East Tennessee and West North Carolina, the Pisgah, it's big, but there's some big country. I know it's quite, uh, our, our terrain. I know that, you know, the nor- Northern part of Pennsylvania is, you know, big country, but from topos I've looked at and videos I've watched, I know it can be steep, but it seems like a, it's like an older vein of the mountain and it has a little more roll to it. Yep. Uh, here it's here. The mountains have a, a, a vein to them. They run from the Southwest to the Northeast and the mountains kind of have a top to them and have a vein. And, um, it gets up close to 5,000 feet, 4,500, 4,000 feet in places around here, like 4,000, 4,500 is kind of the the highest peaks. But uh, I think we're mainly talking about, you know, spring gobblers. There's mountains that you'll find birds on top for, you know, certainly. Uh, but it seems like earlier in the year, um, they tend to be lower down. Uh, I guess because things are starting to, you know, will green up earlier and, um, creeks, you know, creeks and stuff. So, you know, it's, it goes back to, it seems like wherever there's the slightest little bit of habitat diversity that, um, you'll, you'll find little pockets of turkeys and, um, and turkeys to thrive need those things in a, in a, close proximity for them to really thrive yep uh so when you have when your habitat isn't quite as diverse they get to traveling a little more and it's it's stressful on them but uh, when you find those areas that have just you know you key in on you you key on uh, key in on private property always you know look for cattle fields where they come out and peck you know out in the grass and bugs and cow patties and and stuff you can kind of get back in behind that country you know kind of the same as you can on deer hunting uh, i know you've had podcasts with nathan he mentioned that yep uh, nathan killing about you know kind of that's something you can e-scout and 
course, places like that, you might run into more hunters too, because you know everybody's kind of looking at the same thing. So yeah, um, and, and and you know one, one thing you said, I don't mean to cut you off, but I know that you um, you're talking about like the, the train differences and like for me spending some time down there, like we have we have definitely what I would consider mountainous hills or whatever you want to call it, but you have definitely sure. a lot more elevation. And also we have like kind of the plateau type country too. Like, so our tops can be miles across that are flat. And then all of a sudden you have some steep drop-offs where just looking at the maps and driving through it, you definitely have more like not Rocky mountain type peaks, but you have a lot more of that type of style. Like you were saying the veins to them. Yeah. Um, not, very rarely am, am I going to pull a thousand feet, you know, elevation gain in turkey season, maybe over the course of a day, you know, cutting, if I'm, if I plan out a big long hunt, uh, you know, from point A to point B around the side of a mountain, but you know, by the time the days are with cutting ridges and hollers, I might, you know, walk that, but you know, deer hunting, you know, I know Nathan's mentioned, you know, it's not uncommon for us to have to pull a thousand foot before daylight. And people out west, you know, in the Rockies, they'll probably, you know, laugh at us when we say a thousand foot. And, you know, you might go um, a mile or two, three miles, you know, two, a mile to three miles and anywhere from a thousand to fifteen hundred foot of gain, in, you know, in some places. But when you do that day after day after day, that's wears on you. <laughs> yeah, it wears down, you know, after I'm young and in shape and you know, after three or four days of doing that hunting hard, you know, it's like man <laughs> but um <laughs> i i wouldn't have it any other way it's born and bred to me uh, i guess maybe to tell people a little bit about myself yeah uh, definitely uh, um my dad was diehard turkey hunter and he started me when i was five years old so this spring will be my 26th spring um spring gobbler hunting and of course the older i got and got driver's license the the more that I could, you know, go, you know, to be able to take myself and as I got settled in life, but this will be my 26th spring turkey hunting. And I'm just, I'm no, just a listeners now, I'm nobody special. I'm just a normal guy, blue collar guy, work for a living. I just love uh, spring gobbler hunting. Um, I get quite a bit more time to hunt than a normal guy. Uh, I work shift work. So, um, DuPont schedule kind of stuff, rotating 12 hour shifts where you get a long seven day break once a month and you work like seven days daylight, seven days a night, and off three, off, you know, work four kind of stuff. So, you know, if everything's, if everything's good with my, my boy, um, family responsibilities and I'm free, like night shift, I get off night shift, I can turkey hunt every morning until we can hunt till noon the first three weeks of season and then um the last two weeks of season we can hunt all day but you know uh i have my days off and then plus every morning after night shift i can be in the i get off at 6 a.m and i'm normally hunting somewhere by 7 a.m oh that's and nice. um yeah i mean uh which it's uh i've had a lot of success getting off night shift it's kind of like uh I don't kind of I kind of say my mind like it's kind of like God picking me where to go because you go and and everybody else has already got their you know out there before daylight and got their spots, so I kind of pick and go through and then I can see where I find me a place nobody's at and then you know I go from there and if and if I'm if I'm tired and wore down and been hunting for two or three weeks and working night shift and shift work and raising a boy and stuff and I, if I'm tired you know I might be lazy some days and. And if I'm just wore out, you know, I'll utilize a vehicle, you know, ride government roads, stop and listen, make short little walks. Um, there's lots of places that, that gets overlooked that people won't get out of the vehicle. If they can't hear it from the road, you know, you know, a lot of people, they just won't walk up over a ridge or something. And you can, if you take, you know, it might not take you five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes to check something just pull over and there's a ridge blocking a bunch of country behind it you know and you can't hear it from the road if you just take 5 10 15 minutes to get to the top of that ridge and i'll make little short walks like that in between stopping and listening and uh, i've had a lot of success doing that um and another thing like 
I guess the term is like road hunting when you're not running from the vehicle, but you know, riding and stopping and listening and trying to strike God up is I'll stand there for 15 minutes before I, I call lots of times and just listen. And, you know, many times just standing there waiting and letting things play out. I mean, a gobbler will start gobbling or I'll hear, you know, a gobbler start gobbling on his own. And I hadn't even made a call yet. And then I listen, you know, he gobbled two, three, four times on his own. Then I'll make a, a game plan move to him. And I still hadn't called yet. And, you know, if you get lucky and, and get one of those good, which is getting seem harder and harder to find, like a textbook, good gobbling, turkey gobbling on his own, you know, it seems like it's getting harder and harder to find. But you find one, you can just keep slipping your way in there to him. And before you even call, get exactly where you want to be and just take your time moving in on him. If he goes quiet for a little bit, you know, just sit there and wait and I'll just wait on him. And after saying that, when I was younger and, and time was a little more limited, uh, I was like running, 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 trying to find a goblin turkey. You know, I got to make something happen, you know. I, I was an apprenticeship and working and I, there, you know, I remember like one or two seasons where I just had weekends and in Virginia, you can only hunt, uh, you can't hunt public land on Sundays. So basically I would have Saturday and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be hunting none through the weeks. So I didn't have tabs on the birds where they've been hanging out at, you know, have an idea of what they're doing. I can't, you know, I'm going, even my stomping grounds blind. So I was always in a rush, pressure, trying to make something happen when I found a turkey and I'd mess, of course I was younger then too, I'd mess turkey, I'd kill turkeys, but I messed turkeys up that I shouldn't messed up, you know, by limited time. And as I got older and got more settled and, and got into this shift work and had more time, I really like came into myself as a turkey hunter when I had more time to hunt because I could slow down. And, and I don't mean slow down is not hunting hard or uh sitting around deer hunting turkeys just mean like i could take my time with a gobbler be impatient and, a little bit be yeah, be and be more and and over the last five years especially last year and the last couple of years the more the the populations drop off and it's it's kind of like when i find a gobbler I, i'll hunt him until i kill him because it's like i i know where a bird's at and I know he's there and I don't want out, you know, hunting two or three days. If I don't kill him, then I'll move on or will kill him. But, um, I kind of will spend more time on turkeys and just how I move through the woods and everything. My whole process is, I, I'm, I guess I consider myself a, a running gun turkey hunter. Yep. Just, I don't care how good of a turkey hunter you are or how much you got to have time, you know, that's with anything, you know, and that's really helped me is, is having a little bit more time to hunt over the last couple of years. And um, so, I mean, people see me killing turkeys and, and, and all that, but, you know, it takes time to, to stick with them. And, you know, I could be working a gobbler, for example, one morning, maybe he shuts up on me. But while I was hunting him, you know, a half mile away on a, on a ridge, a gobbler gobbled two or three times. And maybe that's all he gobbled or maybe he was over there hammering. But now i know where he's at you know and he just needs it you know and, I, and i'll keep you know i may not be able to do it at the moment while i'm working at turkey but as soon as that hunts over and i'm sitting there thinking about what happened and how he got away you know i'll get my phone out and i'll mark that gobbler where he gobbled you know and then that's kind of the thing with having time to hunt and, and being able to keep tabs on turkeys and and i remember about i think it was about four springs ago me and my dad both hunted it was two gobblers and they was probably about a mile by the crow from each other around the side of the mountain and we both hunted we didn't actually hunt the birds together but we both hunted them separately several times throughout first second third week of season and they they, they had hens and i wouldn't waste much time on them after i figured them out you know i could tell that they still had their hens and i would move on but i was like one of these mornings you know i want to catch these turkeys alone and uh my father-in-law at the time, um, we, we went to a place and 
had actually had a gobbler gobble really good and cross came from one mountain across private property across the creek across the hard top road and come on our side but once he got it we thought it, we thought this girl you know he was gonna run to the gun barrel but he flanked us and moved off and just one of those crazy turkeys that just gobbles and just keeps going out of country yeah and um i was like well there's two gobblers down around the mountain that been fooling with a little bit off and on we'll go check on them and and really didn't think much about it at the time i thought you know if i did get them a gobble they'd probably be doing the same thing be hinned up and um they was actually the one was by uh it was it actually was had totally lost his hands and actually had ganged up with two other jakes and uh worked that bird in my father-in-law killed him and we you know we high-fived and sat there and took up pictures and i said well we'll get back there the truck we'll well, you know, I was just nonchalant about like, we'll go around here and check on this other gobbler and, uh, knew, knew the area he run. He stayed, he was staying right in that country the whole time. And, um, went around there and sure enough, he gobbled and it wasn't 15 minutes and he was dead. <laughs> but yeah, a couple of things that you, that you had said there, um, about like having the time and being on them. And one of the things that, that I've learned is I, I don't. I don't have a, I usually just have Saturdays to hunt or I might be able to get like an hour before work, depending on what time I have to be there that day. And, but what I've learned is even on the days that I can't hunt necessarily in the morning, I'll still go out and listen and I'll mark spots. And then the same thing in the evening, I'll go out and, you know, cause we're the same way. The first few weeks of the season, it's only till noon. And then the second half of the season, you can hunt all day, but I'll just go out and listen and mark those birds and try to figure out each day, kind of how they're moving, where they're roosting at. And then when I do have my chance, you know, you, you at least kind of have an idea what they've been doing rather than just going out that one day a week and trying to, trying to figure it out. And if they're quiet, on the roost, you know, that day before, then you're kind of screwed as far as you're trying to, you know, locate them while you're hunting essentially. Yeah. I imagine a lot of people could relate that when you're hunting your home turf and your stomping grounds somewhere where you have more time to hunt, you know, you'll probably hunt it a little different than if you go out of state for a two or three day run, you know, leave on Thursday and hunt Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning and come back home, you know, a little short, uh, you know, out of state getaway for the weekend or something, you know, I, I, I'll, I kind of change how I hunt because I'm on limited time. I'm probably not ever going to be back there again for the rest of the year, you know? Uh, so, you know, I, I don't want to try to my stomping grounds and stuff. I, I have time to try not to spook them and, you know, or make them smarter or anything like that. But when I'm out of state, it's not necessarily running through the woods crazy, but I'll be a little more, you know, aggressive. Yep. And, and, and I'll be aggressive on birds, you know, my, you know, locally when it's time to, to, to make a move on them. But, um, yeah. You know, and you had said, you'd said something earlier on about like kind of the habitat you're looking for, for turkeys and stuff. But like, if you're going to one of these new spots out of state or even in, in your home state, what like what are you looking for as far as on a map like you look at a big area you got a national forest or whatever what are like how are you kind of finding areas that you want to mark and go take a look at to hopefully find birds yeah i mean the the topic's kind of been beat to death you know on on podcasts and stuff and it's all kind of around about the same thing but water you know is one of the first things i look at creeks and um because turkey's got to have water. And so that's something, and there's lots of water that you can't see on a map. You know, run, you know, if you're getting rain, there's you runoff creeks that will be, you know, plenty of water in them, you know, and other times of the year they're dried up. But um, uh, access, I, I, you know, I don't want too many roads because I've been to places, uh, out, you know, I've been places out of state when I was kind of, well, it was the first time I was ever been there and I thought it looked really good. But once I got there, there was roads everywhere. So it was like, even if I found a gobbler, there could be someone else on the other road, a mile by the crow could be hearing that gobbler and be coming into him from the other side. You know, and it, I never could tell if I was working a turkey by myself. Yeah. So you want some access some trails and stuff like that, but you, 
you don't, I don't want too much access, but then again, you, <laughs> you want to be in birds. So yeah. it's, it's a, like, it's like walking a fine line, literally of trying to, um, but lots of times if I'm going somewhere new, of course I have friends, we talk and communicate and it's not, and I'm not really the person, I, I don't want someone to drop a pin and say, there's a gobbler rooster here. You know, it might discuss areas or things like that, but I still want the sense of kind of doing it myself. Yep. Um, but lots of times when I'm going somewhere new, I'll just, you know, find the closest place from me traveling from my home to whichever state I'll just, I'll kind of pay attention to the closest stuff that I can drive to first into that state. And, and I'll just, I'll make a game plan and try something. I'll just tell myself, you no, know, after a day or two, if it ain't going good or just not having any luck, you know, then I'll drive, then I'll drive a little further, you know, so I kind of, until I find a honey hole or a pocket of birds, you know, I'll, I'll check, I'll check out the closest things to me first. And then, and really sometimes it's, you just got to quit. You know, if you look at maps, you just, after a while you start driving yourself crazy. You only look at them so long to when you got to go just put boots on the ground. And a lot of that's just good old fashioned finding a high listening point and get in there before day. And it might, and it may be, it may be from the truck. It may, you may, may, you know, best place to listen might be um, right at the truck or, you know, hunting public does it a lot. You know, yeah. they, they're not bashful about utilizing the vehicle, but sometimes that may be your best bet when you're going somewhere new is cover a bunch of ground right at that peak goblin time in the morning and, and locate some goblin turkeys and then make a plan. And if it don't work out, you know, where another one was or, and so on. Um, yeah, instead of investing but, all your time and uh, hiking into an area and then realizing it's not the best or there's one burden and you, you, you have options where you can when you can work from the road a little bit. Yeah, and then like um, like do that. I mean, if you find a gobbler, of course, you're going to go after him, but, you know, do that for a little bit, that peak gobbling time and try to get some ears on some birds. And then in, in the middle of the day, when it gets hotter, you know, and the action slowing down, you know, then that's when I'll do a lot of parking and walking back into places kind of I'm hunting, you know, and if it's a state that you can hunt all day, of course, I'm going to be hunting and moving through the woods that, you know, hunt, you know, hunting, I'm not just blundering and making a bunch of noise. I'm going to be hunting, but that's when I'll start. I say, well, I'll plan out a little two, three mile loop and make a loop. And then, work my way back, get in the truck, go hit another spot and make another little two or three mile, you know, loop and, you know, hopefully strike a gobbler up and get to engage with a gobbler and work him and hunting. And, you know, if it works out and you kill him, um, you got to be really uh, adaptable. Uh, you got to just adapt to what's happening. Cause sometimes the weather might not, you know, if you're a traveling turkey hunter, there's gonna be times when the weather just don't work for you and it's bad time or, but trying, yeah, like what about thought of where I was trying to go with it? What about with like, uh, like what about like with the terrain? Did you is there any like anything that you point out like from that? Whether it's um you know uh, a flat spot on a ridge or anything along those lines, you tend to find those birds in some of that steeper country hanging out and anything anything in relation to terrain. Um, I pay attention to flat, flat areas that kind of, I know it's such a loaded question, really. Yeah, I know. I know uh, that was, but uh, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I guess if there, there's anything specific, I know there's so many different scenarios and variables, but like in general, what are you, what are you kind of focusing on? Or you tend to find turkeys with any certain terrain in general, or maybe not. Yeah. I mean, you kind of you're looking for them little knobs. Turkey's like a little piney knob. Um, flat spots, like where they'll mingle. Or they'll if you're if you're in a mountainous terrain, I look for like a a bench that runs around the side of a mountain, where they're going to hang out and strut and and spend some time. You know, because lots of times early in the year, spring when they're hinned up and stuff they don't hit the ground and, and, and you know, majority of the time 
these turkeys ain't hitting the ground and just taking off crazy. Lots of, you know, story time early in the year from where they're roosted, you know, I would be willing to bet they don't move more than two or 300 yards from that spot, that area, maybe less than that. Lots of times, you know, the hens hit the ground, they'll be preening, they'll be doing a little scratching and a gobbler. He's just amped up, just strutting, you know, and, and lots of times that's the scenario of a gobbler gobbling pretty good on the limb and he hits the ground, gets quiet as you know, he's got everything he needs. He hits the ground and he's got a hen or two or maybe three, whatever. And he's just sitting there doing his thing. He ain't pecking. He ain't worried about eating. You know, he's just sitting there strutting. And um, so places like that where being in the mountains, I've hunted many turkeys. It's just on the, on the state. Yeah. You know, no rhyme or reason. But as far as looking at topo, I will try to find, the you know, a bench or a flat area at the base of a mountain. You know, lots of times it seems like they'll roost right at that transition where the flats kind of what we, we call flats, oak flats where the mountain will turn up and the, you'll have flats and they'll, and you'll start getting finger ridges. that are tying into the base of the mountain and start running up. Yep. That's a good area for them to, to roost at. All right. So an, another question would be, all right. So say um, you were talking about how they fly down a lot and then all of a sudden, you know, they're with hens right away. What, what do you do in that scenario? Because that's always seems to be a difficult thing. And I'm not, I, I won't even consider myself, um, I hunt turkeys a lot, but I'm not a good turkey hunter. So, um, like, you know, I run into that scenario a lot where it's a struggle. <laughs> well, I think, uh, some people, I think some people's ears, they just can't hear the freak, freak frequency and some people let's get into it just may not know what they're listening for but at the point of turkey hunter's career when he learns to listen for drumming harder and more intensity than he does for goblin is when he really he or she will really come into a different level of their game um uh, <laughs> saturday was youth day and we, me and uh, my father-in-law took a uh, eight-year-old boy. And prime example, we was working our way around a mountain. There were some turkeys gobbling, and two or three turkeys gobbling off in the distance on the other side of the, on another mountain. And then we thought we was hearing turkeys around the mountain real faint. And we was working our way to them. And, uh, and then they got one gobbled or something. And I was like, that turkey's on this side. And we cut a ridge and about 20 yards from the top of that ridge, I signaled for them to stop and hold up and let me go up to the point of the ridge where the ground breaks over and let me, you know, so I, I told them, you know, stop. And I eased up there and I, you know, I picked my, put my ear up over the hill and I listened and I thought I heard a drum and I listened. And I was like, you know, he was right there, 60, 70 yards. And some people may have just plowed over top of that ridge and spooked the turkey but I felt like the way the ground was laying, that turkey gobble, the turkey was closer than what he sounded. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I need to slow down when I get to this point. And when I got up there, you know, I can hear him drumming. And, you know, and I signaled for the little boy to come here. You know, and I got him up there and got him to my legs and we got set up and we started working the turkey. And, um, but so many times I'd be walking along and stop and listen and hear a gobbler drumming you hadn't heard no goblin or anything but hear him drumming and when they're doing that quite early season when they're hinned up i really 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 try to roost turkeys um if i'm free from family responsibilities and off work and i can and this turkey season you can bet that i'm out trying to roost the turkey um I know some people don't fool with it. They don't have, they ain't, they didn't have much luck or whatever. You know, roosted certainly does not mean roasted, but if I can start out close to a turkey, that's improving my odds that day. And and so if I can get a pin on a gobbler and get him pinned really good, you know, I'll get up early and I'll, I'll slip my way in there and get tight to him. And if I'm not exactly sure, you know, I got the pin and, you know, where I think he's at, but not sure, you know, I'll hang back and let him gobble try to get him to gobble early so i got some darkness to get close the distance and get a little tighter to him and if he hits the ground and will gobble once in a while let me know where that that's good but if i can get in that 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 bubble of hearing him drum then i 
that right there is such a uh, cat and mouse tic-tac-toe game to me is when they're not gobbling but i can hear him drum and and i know in pennsylvania you're not allowed to like stalk turkeys yep. you have to it's against the law and i'm sorry for y'all that's very unfortunate because that's a big part of my game is <laughs> that's a big part of my game is to be able to reposition and get closer and and hear his drumming and 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 work my way in and get in his bubble and um but that's, you know, normally first part of the year, you know, unless I get lucky and find a hot gobbler, that's, that's what you're looking for. You know, a lot of days that's that's what I'm doing is just trying to get close and tight to a turkey and get in their bubble and, and hang in there tight with them. And that comes back to if if I have a turkey, if, if I can hear a country and there's nothing else gobbling and I'm close to a turkey, I'm not just going to leave him because he's not gobbling and start covering ground to, to find a, when I was younger, I may have. And, and then there's a time, someone may quote this one of these days. I'm not really anybody to, to, to quote anything about. But <laughs> turkey, hunting, turkey hunting to me is all gut instinct. And that gut instinct is refined and tuned and tweaked through experience and there, there it can't be taught it can't be explained uh at the experienced turkey hunter knows exactly what i'm trying to describe but you know when you're working a turkey or whatever situation and there's ten thousand things possibilities scrambling through your brain and a and a wire will click one of those nerve endings in your brain will click and and that's that's what you do and what happens happens but when your gut tells you that's what i need to do that's and and there's no way to teach that it's just it's a lot of experience and screwing up experience and trying out yeah and it's and and you learn more from the ones that get away and that's the truth and you learn and then you learn a lot from when things click and a hunt works out and you're thinking man in your head you're thinking how many people could have pulled that off but you know it is it's it's so much gut instinct to it, but you can't, and you know, not everybody had a father or uncle or granddaddy or someone to take them, get them into turkey hunting when they was little. But fortunately I was, and dad had me in the woods before I could even walk. You know, I couldn't, you know, I'd be three, four years old, five years old. And he would, you know, in the evening and after I get, you know, he'd grab me up and take me out in the woods and try to roost a turkey. And then, you know, he started hunting me when I was five and he always put me first, you know, he didn't let me call a gobbler into him until I was like 22 years old. <laughs> like we getting, like, as I got older, as I got older and, and had plenty of turkeys underneath my belt, you know, I'd be like, you're going, you're shooting this morning, you know, and he wouldn't say nothing. What he was thinking is, no, you're not. I've killed my share. You know, you're shooting. You know, we'd strike up a gobbler and he'd be right over the bank. We'd be arguing like, you, you sit, you sit in front, you shoot. I'll get back and call. Yeah. And he'd be like, no, I've killed, you know, I've killed my share. You shoot. So he always put me first and I learned so many hard lessons that I didn't necessarily have to learn on my own. I mean, I, I learned a lot of them on my own, but there's so many things he taught me in the woods that you know and after something would happen he would preach to me and tell me what it what happened there and what he did and how to try to prevent it or or do better on it the next time yeah and i and i don't know if this happened with you but i i noticed like even when we were talking a little bit back and forth texting about like our backgrounds i feel like we have a very similar background like with our fathers being able to show us that type of stuff and i remember when i was young we were, we were allowed to start hunting when we were 12. I'd went out with my dad before that. But when I was 12, between my dad and my grandfather, they called in four turkeys for me within the first like week. And I just like screw, I screwed them all up. I'd miss or I'd move or do something. And I'm like, oh, this is, you know, this turkey hunting stuff's easy. I just keep, you know, screwing it up. And they're like, no, actually it's not. But, uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it, we, we've gotten really lucky and, uh, and, you know, and they've just taught me so much and, and things that I've been able to, you know, even, even now, like if, if me and my dad are able to get together to go out for a hunt, like he always still wants me to be the shooter. I'm like, no, like, it's all right. Like you can, 
I, I don't really care uh, that much as long as one of us, you know, has the opportunity. But it's, you know, it's just that, I guess, fatherly instinct to, to do that too. Yeah. And one of the things that really felt like it, it put me ahead and it took me a while, you know, you know, he taught me and it took a little while in my teens and messing up and saying, you know, he knows what he's talking about was one of the things he really drove into me was how you move through the woods, how a, a diehard, you know, a turkey hunter moves through the woods and listens and, and so many times you know, growing up, we'd be, we'd be slipping along and he would stop, you know, and he'd raise me, you know, I, when I'm, you know, I walk, you walk, when I stop, you stop. And he would stop and he'd have his ear cocked listening. And, you know, he'd, he'd be like, I hear one drumming. And I'd be like, I don't hear, you're crazy. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't hear, you know, I'm th- you know, I didn't say this, but I'm thinking in my head, like, I don't hear no turkey drumming, you know, and he'll get, he'll get me all set up and he, you know, his heart's pumping and getting me ready and he's picking a tree out and getting set up and he'll Oh, in turkey will gobble, and you know, and he done that so many times to me, you know. And uh, but he, you know, taught me a lot about moving through the woods. And and <laughs> my dad's a smaller stature guy; he's like five six, and I'm real shy of six foot. And I was always like, when I was in, like, I think I was fourth, fifth grade. Uh, he went to work one day, and you know, he got dressed, went to work and he, he kept kind of pulling his pants up. We'll come to find out he was in my pants. I was wearing like 30, 30 pants. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, he, he, he really preached. I mean, like get mad about being like, he'd say, you know, he, he, get, <laughs> it's funny thinking back now, it kind of makes me laugh, but yeah, I'd be make like <laughs> trying to put it into words. I'd be moving, following him and I'd be louder than he was. And he's thinking, and he turn around and be like, "Walk, walk fast, but light." And I'm thinking, here I'm this little kid thinking, "Well, how do I walk, move my legs fast, and cover grounds fast, but walk light?" And I'm, you know, like, you know, it's kind of, you know, I worked for this guy. I said another podcast. He's he's building a rock wall, and and I, you know, I had never done, you know, build a rock wall before. I was like, "What do you think of this rock?" And he's like, "Well, you got to think like a rock." I'm thinking. I think like a rock, but <laughs> you know, you, you got to find a rock that wants to lay there and not lean forward. But it's just, you know, kind of the same thing. I always kind of, but yeah, yeah. It, but I could, you know, I could, I couldn't really. There's so many people getting into the sport over the past decade, two decades that didn't have a mentor that, you know, they might've got in it in their thirties or forties. And, you know, and I just think, you know, I am who I am, the hunter I am, you know, the things he taught me when I was younger. And, I, and as I got older and got on my own, you know, I, I took my own twist on things and became into my own hunter. And, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of people listening that, you know, it's like, that's me. I'm, I'm in those shoes right now. You know, I'm just getting into turkey hunting and trying to learn. And it may seem like uh, impossible. Like how these guys are, you know, how these guys consistently killing turkeys and I'm hunting, trying and, I kind of feel about that way about predator hunting. Like I haven't done it a lot, but uh, I watch guys that's good at, you know, coyote hunting and working the wind and hunting and, and not field hunting coyotes. But, um, you know, uh, I kind of put my, I'm thinking that that's kind of how I feel because these guys kill these tur- coyotes in the, in the brush with shotguns really interests me. And, uh, and what it is, the more I've dug into it, it's a lot like turkey hunting, but they can smell, but you reposition, you locate them, you know, and find, where the dens are and then you go in early and get tight to them. And, 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 and I'm hoping in the future I can start getting to go more and implement, implement, you know, that, uh, cause I, when I was younger. I thought you just went out in the woods and set up and did, you know, predator sounds and, and they came. That's what I always did. And you get lucky once in a while, you know, you know, you get lucky once in a while, but you're not consistent. No. And, it's the same way with all what a lot kind of, people of hunting, you know, like whether deer hunting, you get, you yeah. get those guys that'll kill a, a buck, you know, once every, you might kill a giant deer, but it's once, you know, one off or like a turkey or anything. It's different when you get the, the people that are doing it consistently. It's, it's, it's just, I don't know. It, it cracks me up and like, and what you're saying about like pulling those things from your, your dad and, and then molding in your own, like so I had my dad and then my grandfather's who's in he's 70 i don't know how old right now and he still 
kills a bird every year and kills an old one and he doesn't he doesn't go out till nine o'clock in the morning his he likes to yeah. he likes to hunt them in the mid-morning he's like i'll let you amateurs play with him in the morning he's like i'll go in later on it's funny well he well he's smart because you know he he's paid his dues and he's older but he also knows if he finds a gobbler gobbler mid-morning to lunchtime you know if he finds a gobbler that cuts a call off or gobble one on his own, more than likely, you know, lots of times that gobbler is in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. Like and, and back when you were talking about getting tight to the, the roost and like, you know, your gut instinct, I mean, that even comes down to how tight you get. Like you can't give a number. Like if I were to ask you how close you're going to get, because it all depends on what the train looks like, what the vegetation's like. Foliage. Yeah. yeah. And like I, I found a gobbler, it was, there was three gobblers roosted in a clear cut, which blew my mind. It had, but it, had, it was a wide open new clear cut and it had a couple of trees that were out there and they were roosting. I'm like, so how, but there was hens too that were in some of the surrounding trees. I'm like, how am I going to get close? So I had to get in there like two hours before daylight and I went and I sat up like on this little gas wall pad and Three of them flew down one way. The one one flew down basically not very far in front of me, but the hens landed like right in front of me. And it was a very lucky scenario. But I would never call him in with all those hens. But I was set up there and he came out strutting and and I was able to shoot him right there before work. And it was it, it was awesome. But like you, you don't it's hard to explain that to somebody if they haven't done it or don't have that experience to know like, okay, all right, I can't get real tight if I'm coming in my normal time because of how wide open it is or, you know, different things along those lines. Yeah. Um, strategy and stuff. It's, you know, deer hunt, all of it, you know, all the pocket, it's been hit on so much that, I almost feel like, you know, the, the, there's plenty of resources out there for like strategy and it's almost like now people want to hear stories. Yeah. That's, that's what I like to hear. Like a, you know, actual hunts or things like that. And, but, uh, um, one person that I really connect with listening to about turkey hunting that, it's like, I love hearing his podcast because it, he's, he's old, he's old timer. He's getting, he's getting older now, but it's like birds of the same feather, his hunting style and how he approaches a gobbler and is Mike Pentecost. He's done two, two podcasts with the Southern, Southern outdoorsman. And like, if you hear him, if you listen to those, like there's someone, you know, and so many things he says, uh, relates to, to me and how I was raised taught how to work turkeys and he does a great job and mike gets to rambling and you know it, it he he does a good job with with telling about you know different scenarios and, and everything i just kind of want to throw that out there also not to take away from east me west <laughs> no. if there's anybody southern outdoorsman is a great podcast you, you, i i love listening yeah, to but those guys if, if if there's any younger guys out there that want to really hear a, a turkey killer you know talk about your strategy you know mike puts it in, in a good perspective too but Oh man. So what, what, what's, uh, what's, um, this is a very open-ended question too, but what are some memorable, uh, give me a memorable hunt in your mind, whether it's the meaning behind the hunt, whether it's how the hunt laid out. Let's, I want to hear one of these stories. I know you have a ton of them. Yeah, it's a bunch. <laughs> um, one guy, one guy, which it, 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 it isn't really much to the story. I, I made a, like two springs ago, I made a trip the first time I went to Georgia and the, the weather wasn't great the first day. And I kind of kept working my way across the state, checking places, making little short walks, stopping and never heard a gobble the first day. Uh, the second day I parked uh, on some public land and slept in the truck and it hammered down the rain till about nine, 10 o'clock in the morning. And then I, I'm, as soon as the rain stopped, I started hunting, made a big walk. And, you know, when, when as soon as the rain's over with, the brush is soaking wet. So you might as well have been hunting in the rain. And uh, I made a big, long walk. Still no gobbles, no turkey sign. So I'm thinking, because I was back up in the mountains and it was pretty dead. It was kind of like walking on the moon. I was like, I got to sit down and look at these maps. 
and I got to find some private property, some a cattle field or something that butts up to the national forest. So I found these old cattle fields and the government ran around the side of the mountain behind it. And this was like two o'clock in the evening. Still, I've been there two days, hadn't heard a gobble. And uh, a hardtop road actually ran down the valley and you could stop and call across the private property on one of the mountain. And I was thinking, well, if I get one to gobble, I'll mark him. Then I'll go back to the access and then hunt my way around to the gobbler. Well, uh, I, I stopped a couple places, listened, called, hadn't heard nothing. And, and I drove past this trailer, real nice guy, you know, a uh, guy had his, uh, the, he took care of his place. And I used to have a vehicle and he was sitting on his front porch. And, I was, and then, you know, he was looking right at the cattle field and, and the mountainside was right in his face. And I was like, I bet he spends a lot of time on his porch. <laughs> and uh, and so I thought, well, I'll get down here at the end of this national forest. So I don't get a gobbler gobble. When I come back up the road, if he's still outside, I'm going to pull in there and talk to him, be friendly like. And I pulled in and uh, still hadn't heard a gobble. And I you know, introduced myself and talked to him. He's just nice as me. And I said, uh, and I told him what I was doing and, you know, where I was from. And I said, do you, do you happen, you know, while you're sitting out here on the porch in the mornings and stuff, do you hear turkeys gobbling around? mountain? He's like, yeah, I hear, I hear him gobble every once in a while. And every, in, um, every once in a while, every other day, I see a big old gobbler out there in that field strutting. So my, you know, I'm thinking in my head, you know, it was running a hundred miles an hour. I'm like, that's the, I was like, you know, that's the best lead that I have. And, um, so I didn't have my mind made up the rest of the day till dark that I was going to hike in there, whether I killed anything or not or hurt anything or not. I was going, that's where I was going to go the rest of the, the, the day until dark and try to roost one. And I said, you mind if I call real quick? And he said, no, go ahead. So always when I'm trying to strike up a gobbler, I'll start out soft, you know, and then you can always get louder. So then there towards the end, uh, I think I was using a pot call, crystal pot call. And then I got loud and cut. And nothing, you know, five, four, and, and when a turkey ain't real amped up many times, you'll call, you won't hear nothing. You, you'll be ready to go to walk and it's kind of like a delayed gobble and then he'll, he'll let it out. Well, I was getting, you know, four or five, six seconds went by and I was getting ready to, you know, say, well, thank you and, and whatnot. And he gobbled and I said, you hear him? He said, yeah. He said, he's up there, you know, so he knew the, he knew where he was, you know, he, you know, he knew the mountain like the back of his hand. And I called a couple more times. He never did gobble. He just gobbled at one time at like two o'clock. I said, well, thank you. And I drove down the road like a mile and a half to the, or two miles, which by the crow wasn't too far, but to get cut around the side of the mountain to the gobbler up and down, up and down, you know, it was a ways. And I said, well, I ought to be able to, in my mind, I was thinking, I ought to be able to find a gobbler before I get to this turkey. And I'm going through there and they're scratching everywhere and a good sign. And I'm thinking, man, I ought to be able to strike up a gobbler before I get to that turkey. But I eventually make it all the way to my pen where I marked the gobbler. Still no goblin. And uh, I get set up. No, no gobble still. Uh, make some soft calls. And I sat there about 45 minutes, an hour or nothing. I said, well, there was a, there was a slight drop off. The mountain kind of come down steep flattened out a little bit and ran down for a long ways. Then it kind of dropped off again to the private property. And I said, well, maybe that gobbler maybe worked his way off the mountain. When I called over there at that guy's house, maybe he worked his way downhill. So uh, I said, well, I'll slip one down the mountain get to where that ground breaks over and then set up again and, and listen. So I work my way down, get set up and I call a couple of times. Don't hear nothing. And I'm sitting there. 10, 15 minutes go by and the leaves were, the, the sun came out and the wind kind of started blowing and the leaves went from soaking wet to bone dry, loud and crunchy, sunshine shining. And then uh, I was sitting there and I, no drumming, no gobbling. I just heard footsteps and he came in silent, never gobbled, not a drum, nothing. And I killed the gobbler. And so I'd been there. I was just thinking to myself, you know, maybe it was luck, but that gobbler, I remember him because it was just like my back was against the wall. I was somewhere I'd never been before out of state. I had another day left and I didn't really feel like anything was going to work out and managed to kill a gobbler that only gobbled one time, which was two hours earlier. And he came in silent. And um, 
So that one, I felt like I earned him a little bit. Yeah. And that, and that, I mean, yeah, that's, that's so tough too. like knowing when to go and when to sit and that that's all. If, if people had that figured out, it'd be, it'd be kind of easier, but <laughs> well, well, I done made my mind up. I was going to stay in there to dark and I knew, you know, I done committed to that area cause it was hard to get in there. So I was able to be more patient because I knew that's what my plan was. And I knew he was there and uh, uh, evening hunting. I've had some good evening hunts like five o'clock to six o'clock, you know, five o'clock morning is that like you get cool in the morning, get hot, get almost summer, like hot in the day, you know, later in season. And then about five o'clock, six o'clock, that sun starts dropping a little bit. And, and in the bottom of the hollers, you feel that cool air start moving in and like five o'clock on, uh, if you get a gobbler to gobble, it's like, you know, he's in trouble. But, um, so I was thinking maybe once that temperature started dropping off and that sun started setting, maybe he would fire up or something. So, yeah, um, <laughs> that's kind of what I was kind of prepared to sit in there for a while. Yeah. Um, cause I just, I just didn't have any better leads. I, that was the first Turkey. I knew he was there somewhere. So I was going to try to, my, my goal, of course, I was hoping to kill a turkey, but if anything, maybe I could roost him and give me something to go off of on my last morning to hunt. And it, so that was the plan, and it worked out. Oh, that's awesome. That, that's a cool story, too. I like that you stopped and talked to that guy, and, you know, you, know, you, you had that thought process, like, he probably sits out there quite a bit, you know? <laughs> like, Yeah, but, yeah, like, I was, I was like, he, I was like if, if there's turkeys gobbling in this country, I, I got a feeling he'll probably know if he has, if his ears are still good, you know, maybe he didn't run machinery or log or something Yeah, all his life. And, you know, some of my older guys, they can't hardly hear you. I was like, maybe, but he, he, he heard that tur- his turkey was way up on the mountain, and he heard him gobble, and he knew exactly where he was. Um, but, uh, I'm not scared to stop and ask for permission, you know, use your manners and just be honest with them and tell them what you're doing. And you get turned down. Sometimes you get luck or just information. You know, I talk to people at gas stations and lots of times, you know, people, you know, be real friendly. You, you know, you ain't got to tell them lots of times you'll be in there and turkey hunting clothes one, two o'clock in the day. You might be getting some ice for the cooler and going somewhere else. And someone say, you a turkey hunter? You had any luck? And you know, I get telling you, and that's tell you go play, a place to go try. Yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, I'm tagged out and there, there was two or three gobblers still gobbling up in that country. You know, you know, you know sometimes you get lucky like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. A year you'll be heading out then, uh, this weekend's the opener for you. Right. I mean, by the time this, this airs here, it'll be, uh, it already had happened, but that's this weekend, right? Yes. Season comes in uh, Virginia. The season always starts the second Saturday of April every year, and youth weekend is always the first weekend in April. Okay. And uh, yeah, season always comes in the second Saturday in April. It runs for five weeks. The first three weeks is uh, noon shut off, and the last two weeks you can hunt all day. Um, it's looking like uh, calling for like three quarters of an inch of rain Saturday. So, uh, but I think in the morning. I think it's not supposed to move in until like midday. So, okay. Uh, as, as, as long as it's not a, uh, downpour set in rain, you know, I'll, you know, if it's just a drizzle, I'll be out there. Um, and if I'm out there and get caught in some downpour rain, you know, then if I'm a mile from the truck or something, I won't be in no hurry. I'm already soaked. So, um, and we've, we've killed some turkeys. And the thing about hunting the mountains is it's, uh, national forest, you know, mature timber, there's no wildlife. Open. It's not like you can get in the truck and go ride around and spot spots them out in the field strutting and then park the truck and make a move on them. You know, these, these turkeys are woods turkeys. So, you know, they'll, they probably will gravitate towards those open oak flats, logging roads, uh, maybe an old, maybe a, a, a recent clear cut or an old logging landing or something like that. But, um, We've, we've, we've killed some turkeys and I know like two was in the middle of thunderstorms over the years, just thunder cracking, rain hammering down. Like, uh, of course that's not going to happen every time, but if you find one goblin, you know, and that type of stuff, he's, he's in trouble if he's, you know, answering you in that. Yeah. 
I've, I've, I've had a lot of luck in the rain, light rains. Uh, I'm not scared of, if I'm off work, like say, if I'm off work and free from family responsibilities, I'm going to be in there. Um, as long as it's not just one of those days where it's just a set in downpour rain, you wake up in the morning, it's dumping the rain and rain calling for rain all day. You know, other if I can't, I'm going to try to make a move. Awesome. Well, good luck to you. I'm, I'm excited to see it. Hopefully, um, yeah, you'll kill one and then, uh, I'll be able to use that picture on the, the artwork for the podcast and it'll just add to the, the whole story. Yeah, it'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> um, you never, you know, it's always, uh, Tom Weedle. I think that's how you say his last name, Weddle. He's from Pennsylvania. I think he's one, like one of the few first people that completed the, the, uh, super slam. And I think he said, you know, every year going in the season, you got butterflies in your stomach. Like you, like you've never been able to call on a Turkey. Yep. You know, it's like, it's like, until you get on a gobbler and he comes in and it works out, you, you got that feeling like, you know, it's a possibility. It could be a third week of season and hadn't killed a gobbler. You know, that stuff can happen, you know, you know easily if you're limited on time. Yeah. Um, but there, there's, there's so many things to talk about, you know, listeners, new hunters, they, they want to absorb everything and a sponge and, and it's hard to, put it into words you know that's why i that's like the little quote there that that i say that it's gut instinct and it can't be taught you gotta and i think you know maybe something to end on is when something goes wrong don't fly off mad and just storm out of the woods and you know sit down and think about what happened you know like what i do wrong admit you done something wrong and what could you done different and, and the next time you run in that situation it's there in that memory bank in your head, you know, it could be something that happened five years ago, but you you may not run in that situation for a long time, but you'll end up in a similar terrain situation or the gobbler's acting in a similar way. And, you know, and that little spark in your brain will say, well, I'm, you know, it'll, and it'll come back. So just try to learn from those mistakes and fine tune that, that gut instinct. Awesome. I, I love it. Devin, thanks so much for coming on and, and talking with me. If, if, if anyone, uh, wants to follow along with any of your stuff. Do you have any place that they can uh, check that out? Yeah. Um, my Instagram is open to anyone. I don't have it set on like where you have to request. It's just um, wide open frame for me. Uh, I don't consider myself an influence or anything like that. I'm just a normal, normal guy, but uh, it's Devin D 89. It's my name, D-E-V-I-N-D-89. Awesome. Well, everyone should check it out. And then you also you have your Facebook page, uh, Mountain Hunters uh, of Virginia, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah, Virginia Mountain Buck. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's I, I love yeah. I love watching that page as well. A lot of a lot of really cool people on there. Yeah, it's it simmers down, you know, in the spring and summer. But when after turkey season's over in the middle of summer, they start heating back up and mountain hunters you know talking yeah buck hunting yep awesome well thanks for coming on again and uh we'll stay in touch throughout the season yeah man i appreciate it i hope hopefully i put something in the words that somebody can you know grab something from yeah you definitely did Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.